Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. I hope you're all doing well. You're listening to Pop That Mama, a passionate first-time mum sharing my tips and tools for a positive pregnancy, childbirth and journey into motherhood. This episode is going to be slightly different to the other topics that we speak about on my podcast. However, I believe it is an important subject to cover as one in four of us will experience this on our parenthood journeys. So today we're going to be discussing miscarriage and I'll be joined by my close friend Millie who will be sharing her story with you guys. Enjoy listening. Thanks for tuning into the podcast guys. Really happy to have you here. So before we go on to explore this topic further, I just want to share a bit of the backstory of how this episode has come about. Um, So I've received a lot of messages from my listeners off the back of my mental health podcast that I did. And a common theme is this fear of miscarriage. And I've received messages from pregnant women who are fearful of that 12-week scan and are very, very anxious about that date. And then I've also received messages from pregnant women who have experienced miscarriage and who are fearful about it happening again. And actually, this fear is affecting their mental health um, and is also affecting their enjoyment of pregnancy, particularly in that first trimester. So today I have my wonderful dear friend Millie joining us um, to speak about her experience of miscarriage and Mills and I have been chatting every week via voice note and we're really close so our voice notes are about 20 minutes each so I've been really close to her experience and to be quite honest I've been really nervous this morning kind of pacing it up and down the house just not quite sure what to do with myself because it is a sensitive topic and Millie and I are close friends. And I just hope that we tackle the subject with sensitivity, but also do it justice. So we've got Millie online with us and she will be sharing the story of how she is coping with her loss and how she's going about trying for another baby. So Mills, do you mind just giving us a bit of background to you and your husband, Jordan? Yeah, cool. So um, firstly, just want to say thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast. I mean, you just touched on it, but I guess the reason we thought this would be such a good podcast to do is that just having gone through a miscarriage myself, I really struggled to find relatable content, whether that was through podcasts, YouTube, Google, books, whatever, about positive content about life after miscarriage so I found a lot of miscarriage stories but not so much the weeks and the months that follow a miscarriage and how you are able to rebuild your life after naturally such a shocking experience and um, I also just wanted to say just before I started that I am so aware from listening to different miscarriage stories that no two experiences are the same. So I'm definitely not trying to represent miscarriages as a whole. This is literally just my story and the methods that I have taken, which might be useful to someone experiencing a a similar journey really. Um, So yeah, Jordan and I have been together for eight years and we've been married for three months. 
So we met when I was 20 and he was 21. So I'm now 28 and he's 29. And yeah, I guess we, we always knew from the beginning that we wanted to have a family. I mean, Poppy, if you remember me at uni, I have always said, I'm going to have six children, a farmhouse and chickens. That was always my thing. Um, but yeah, Jordan very sensibly wanted us to focus on our careers and getting onto the property ladder. So I guess that's why we've waited until our late 20s to really start thinking about the next chapter. So we got engaged late last year and that's when we started to really seriously discuss when we wanted to start a family. But at the time we had a potential move to New York on the horizon and we were planning our wedding. So as most people do, we were just always moving that goalpost. And then it wasn't until earlier this year, I think it was, it was probably around February time, that we just stopped trying not to get pregnant. Mm. And um, it was a very natural thing. And even though there were so many reasons for us not to do it, we just trusted in the universe, as I always do, that somehow it was all going to pan out. And then um, obviously by March, the coronavirus pandemic took over. Our New York move got cancelled as well as our wedding. So we just felt like, yes, this was 100% the right decision to start trying at that time. And um, just because I think it's important to touch on, in the beginning, we didn't really do much planning for trying to conceive. I guess after so many years of trying not to get pregnant, I naively assumed that you just have sex and get pregnant. <laughs> so um, it wasn't until about four or five months, I think it was, without any luck that I kind of went to the doctors, I got my blood checked, which came back fine. And then I properly started to research into checking for ovulation and my fertile window. And that's when we started... Um, doing the ovulation strips and I don't know if it was by fluke or not but we then conceived two months uh, two months later which Poppy you were the first person I called when no. I found out and it was the most incredible and indescribable feeling mm. I think it just felt like such a long time coming not just because it took us like just over half a year to conceive so I'm aware for a lot of people it takes a lot longer mm. but also because I have been waiting for this moment basically since my early 20s as you know mm. and I was like oh my god it's finally here I'm finally starting our family and I honestly could not wait for that next chapter Mm, gosh gosh yeah I remember when you called me Mills I was walking and Millie and I whenever we've got big news so when I got engaged um when Millie got engaged we always video call each other but our usual method of contact is voice note isn't it so when it's video call we both know oh god what's happened or oh god what's happened and I still remember you phoning yeah it was um so exciting such an exciting time Mm. um Mills so when when you did find out that you were pregnant uh did you have any fears around miscarriage or concerns was that even in your mind um yes and no I guess it's a very strong narrative early pregnancy 
don't tell anyone before your 12 week scan and yeah I guess from that perspective I kind of knew that there was always going to be a risk in the first trimester but also no because I didn't know anyone who had gone through a miscarriage so all my friends who had got pregnant and all the people that I knew in my hometown that got pregnant just seemed to get pregnant easily, have fairly normal pregnancies. So it wasn't really until, um, if we kind of fast forward to much later in my miscarriage journey, when I started to be honest about, about what happened to me, that I actually learned two of my godmothers have miscarriages two of my aunties have miscarriages, my best friend's sister had a miscarriage, my nan had a stillbirth, my wedding photographer had a miscarriage. Um, and I think if I had known about this before, I wouldn't have felt so scared when it did happen because I would have known that I wasn't alone. And even in that short list there that I've given you, that is six I think immediate family friends that I could have picked up the phone to straight away and asked for help and guidance wow. and I guess at the time I kind of I knew the statistics I'd heard the statistics this happens to one in four couples but in my head I was the only one I knew going through this mm. and the only um, other people in my statistics were random people on Google that I found around the world so how was I turning to a computer when I had no idea that I had such a huge support network around me? And I think this is one of the reasons that I think it's, it's so good that you invited me to do this podcast and that we, we speak up and we normalize this because it, it shouldn't be a me too thing when you talk about your own experience. It's it's so important that we don't feel shamed by what's happened. It is so normal. And if there is anyone that is listening to this that is, is in his, I don't know, has gone through a miscarriage and feels really isolated and feels on their own, if you know four people that have been pregnant, speak up to them. That could be your mother, your, your family, your friends. If you know over four people that have been pregnant, the odds are that someone in that very small network would have gone through it that you can turn to that isn't necessarily Google. Absolutely, Mills. It is shocking when you realise how many people you know have gone through it, but it just goes for that whole, you know, we need to break the silence about 100%. this and we need to share um, so on that note, do you mind just sharing a bit about your story, uh, your miscarriage story and how you felt throughout that process of that happening? Yeah, definitely. So um, obviously in a, in a sad turn of events on the 15th of October, I, I did have a miscarriage. So that was about 10 to 11 weeks. I had a, a natural miscarriage, which lasted about 10 days in total. Unfortunately, because I work for my parents, I was able to take the full time off work, which, which was amazing. Um, and I guess the only, the only way I can describe this period is that the sun literally didn't shine as dramatic as that sounds. Mm. But I, I don't remember daylight. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I spent 
hours upon hours just staring into space I actually developed a really extreme anxiety I banned anyone from coming to the house including my own parents bless them and experienced a very very physical and all-consuming depression but but just remember at this time I didn't know anyone else who had been through it I didn't know about my aunties my nan all those people that I said before I thought this was me on my own my body had done something terrible and I was the only one which I now know is absolutely not true so um a few days after the miscarriage I I kind of scraped the energy um, and I returned to work and obviously I was feeling completely and utterly just emotionally battered and bruised. And it sounds silly because even though I had gone 28 years without being a mother, mm. I was so overjoyed to start that next chapter. And I guess um, post miscarriage, which I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate to is I just felt like I lost kind of a sense of purpose as dramatic as that sounds but I just couldn't see what was going to lead me from from one day to the next and my family and my sister who who also worked in the family business was such an incredible support and they picked up all the way and basically just let me drift between a few basic tasks just kind of to pass the time but most days I would kind of get to sort of lunchtime, early afternoon, and then just be too exhausted and, and yeah, basically just have to go home to bed. Gosh. But then just a few days into this return to work, I, I actually found out that my, my sister, who is also my best friend and obviously my coworker in the family business, I found out that she was pregnant with her first child to the day four weeks behind my own pregnancy mm. and yeah as you can imagine this news just completely rocked me to my core but I was so terrified that I didn't want to ruin my sister's first experience of pregnancy and we kind of sat down and we had a really honest chat about it. And I just said, don't let what has happened to me let you be scared or, or not celebrate your pregnancy. Like you must enjoy it. You must speak openly about it and, and let us in the office, our family all celebrate this really special time with you. Mm. And obviously looking back now I can understand that that probably was the most sensible decision on my part I mean I was literally battered and bruised and I just threw myself straight back into the ring for another few rounds and Gosh. and yeah from from that point on was when my health massively deteriorated and just to kind of explain what happened during that period so so I just found that working together with my sister was just a constant daily reminder of my loss so I had gone from being the protected pregnant one who who couldn't lift in 
heavy deliveries or site equipment or even go to site meetings because obviously um, the coronavirus risk. And suddenly I was now being asked to do all these things on behalf of my now pregnant sister to protect her. Gosh. And the shift in roles was just such an unbearable reminder of my pregnancy loss which triggered me to, well, I don't know if it's stupid or not. I was going to say stupidly. It's probably not stupid. But I, I overanalyzed the most minuscule aspects of the entire working day from then on. And that would be, I don't know, anything from what my sister could and couldn't eat for lunch to if we were all, well, Sarah offered a round of teas, I would make her a hot water instead of a tea because obviously she was reducing her caffeine reduction and on top of this my sister is um she's very petite she's got a very slight frame and i became completely fixated on her quickly growing bump and i hated myself for this but i just felt so jealous every time i thought i could see it and within the space of a few weeks um of obviously being around these triggers five days a week, my anxiety and depression had completely spiraled to a point where I just had a complete and utter breakdown. And bless my poor mother, in a really desperate attempt, we were actually in a garden centre car park at the time, but she went straight onto Google, she found a counsellor and she put her on loudspeaker with me in the car because I just, I couldn't talk. And she begged her for a same day appointment to speak to me because I just was not coping and I had to get help. Oh my gosh, Mills. Oh, I just remember you sending me these voice notes and these really, you know, detailed stories uh, of exactly what you've just said. And yeah, just listening to you, reflecting on it all is just, yeah, it's very emotional. Um, the thing about miscarriage is it's this feeling of not knowing what to say to someone. And mm. I found that when you first told me I had the same feeling, it was like, what do I say? What do I say to my friend who has gone through this? And I feel the same feeling with you talking now is I don't know what to say. And I know that we've prepared this script that we're going to go through and the questions that I'm going to ask you, but it's just that feeling of, it's weird, isn't it? It's like, I don't mm. know what and I think I don't know if you've experienced this with people you shared your stories with like you know what do you like what what do people say it's one of those things isn't it it's really hard I just think people feel so uncomfortable about it yeah. and I think the reason that people feel so uncomfortable about it is because no one talks about it it's almost this really ugly dirty secret that everyone keeps like and and if we spoke about it, people, people would be more knowledgeable. I mean, I, I've even said to you, Poppy, is I genuinely think that people, when people hear of a miscarriage, they think, oh, they've, they've just had a period and they'll get over it and try it again. Mm. And it's like, no, there's this whole roller coaster of emotions that you go through. And I mean, I, I'm explaining my situation with my sister, but this could be someone who's gone through a miscarriage and their best friend has got pregnant at the same time or they have three baby showers to go to this month and and I think because yeah I think there's just not a rule book to it people people feel uncomfortable about it mm. it's it 
it is essentially a death and people feel uncomfortable and they just try and pacify it by saying oh you can try again or oh oh you'll be okay but but actually this is a process that people need to go through and i just think knowledge is key i just think yeah we we just need to speak up about it more really definitely definitely and i really hope people listening to this podcast you know if you if you've been through this i really hope listening to you mills it, it will be helpful and even if you haven't been through it it's just that awareness um so do you want to just tell us about the the rest of your story with the counselor you know what happened then what what's next yeah so um starting counseling was 100 percent the best decision i could have made and looking back now this really became kind of the second chapter of my miscarriage journey so i had two sessions in the first week which was six weeks post miscarriage with an appointment every week thereafter. Um, but when I, I started the, the sessions, I had to fill out a form to the counsellor of what I was looking to get out of the sessions. And I mean, if you saw the form I filmed out, it was literally, I need a solution to my anxiety and depression. I need a solution in how I can manage my sister's joy and my grief side by side. I need a solution to, live, to um, cope living with my triggers five days a week in work. Wow. I need a solution to the guilt that I feel <laughs> that I'm ruining my sister's pregnancy and I'm making this so incredibly difficult to my, uh, for my family to enjoy. Mm. And also, I just wasn't sure, am I allowed to grieve this much over a miscarriage, which is kind of what I said before, that there isn't a rule book to it. That, like people don't know if they're, they're allowed to be this upset but so when I when I filled out this form and I sent it off to her the first thing that she said was where have you looked so far for all these solutions and I said that I have been looking at podcasts I have been searching google I have been on youtube books you name it I searched it and I guess my last such attempt was this counselor I had all my bets that she was going to have the answer wow. and then she kind of asked me okay so so what have you found from from all these sources and I said that I haven't yet found a solution but instead I did find validation for for my experience and the extreme emotions that I was feeling and then she kind of asked me so so what is your conclusion from that and I realized at that point, there isn't a solution to miscarriage. Mm. And actually, all this frantic search was doing was just making me frantic. I was so desperate for a quick fix pill to make me better, which I thought would make everyone else's lives around me better, especially my sisters. But, but it wasn't out there. And that night coming to that realization for the first time in six weeks I went to bed I put my phone away I stopped the search and I genuinely slept for the first time since the miscarriage began wow. and I think that's because the search was over and it was such a big relief just to kind of let go of that um and also, I guess in the first session, she made me realize that 
that learning of my sister's pregnancy was the biggest roadblock to my grief so soon after I physically stopped miscarrying. And all that I had done is just jumped over my grief, trying to put my sister's well-being before my own. And actually what I needed to do is I needed to revisit that place and, and basically just go through the natural grieving course again. Mm -hmm. she, she kind of made me realize that, that being around these constant triggers wasn't necessarily the kindest situation I could put myself into, mm. especially whilst I revisited kind of the, the raw emotions of the miscarriage and, and restarted the grieving process. And I think this is the first time that, that I accepted that I was allowed to be kind to myself and put my, uh, myself first now. Um, so basically with the support of my parents, I, I actually agreed to an extended period of leave from work from that point well actually before speaking to the council my family were actually they were actually encouraging me to consider antidepressants um I guess we were all kind of recognizing at that time that I was in such a serious downhill spiral mm. and at the time that kind of seemed like the only option left mm. but after I spoke to the counselor I I actually felt so empowered that I can take the reins on this situation I don't have to drift between my normal schedule of getting beat down every single day and I can say no I have had enough and I was going to take control of my next step and I guess from from that point on, my mindset became, what can I do to not go on to antidepressants? Mm -hmm. What natural methods can I exhaust to ensure that antidepressants are my very, very last and final resort? And saying that, I don't, it's not that I have an issue with antidepressants. I, I think they are an excellent tool when used for the right reasons. But for me, I felt like it was more more of a pacifier for my family and actually it wasn't necessarily the right decision for my mental health so I knew that I was coping with a very physical and emotional loss which was basically affecting the chemical ba balance within my brain mm. as well as having to experience the the physical pregnancy hormones which also were kind of working their way out of my system mm. but I just decided at that point I'm not going to be consumed by this pain anymore. I'm going to break this cycle of depression and I'm going to start my healing journey. And throughout this whole process, family, friends, even the counsellor, my parents that I'd spoken to, they had always said, just be kind to yourself, be kind to yourself. And I just didn't understand what they meant. Like I just mm -hmm. didn't get it. And um, just to kind of detour a bit, there's a book that I absolutely love called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. And I think it was like Waterstone's book of the year this year or something. And um, it basically follows um, an unlikely friendship between the four characters through love and hardship. Mm. And it's just full of these beautiful and inspirational uh, life quotes Poppy you would absolutely love it I'm going to send you some yeah please um, send to me <laughs> yeah it's so good um, but basically my favorite scene is um, 
it has a sketch of the four characters and they're all looking into this really deep dark forest and it has these really scary tall trees and it says underneath i can't say uh sorry i can't see a way through said the boy can you see your next step said the horse yes said the boy just take that said the horse and this is literally how i began my period of leave from work i trained my brain to stop thinking so far ahead at that big scary intimidating bigger picture that got me to this breaking point in the first place mm. and instead i i had to learn to just look ahead to the morning the midday the afternoon and the evening and poppy as you know i am someone who thrives off a high pressure work environment and a, a busy lifestyle and more tasks that can possibly fill a day so this was a huge mindset shift for me and i i had to really learn how to do this but once i succumbed to it mm. i learned the true meaning of what being kind to myself is and the kind of things that i was doing is um so remember i was off work at this point i i had taken my extended period of leave so I woke early in the morning and I made myself a cup of tea and I would sit in bed and I would watch a sunrise. And this has now become my favorite part of the day. Wow. Um, I began walking very aimlessly at first, sometimes with others, but mostly on my own. And I literally racked up miles I didn't know possible in one day. Gosh. I began running and I've just completed my first 10k. Woohoo, it's on Strava because I've just downloaded Strava as well. Um, <laughs> without stopping, and that was at 10 weeks post miscarriage. And I also do yoga most mornings as well. I fuel my body with nourishing food that I love, and I've started baking again, um, which I really enjoy. And I've started listening to, um, instead of negative, well, it's not negative, but I got into a cycle of listening to podcasts, I think, when I was trying to find this solution, which were obviously about miscarriage and depression and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I changed that. I started listening to educational podcasts. Some were funny podcasts, but they were always encouraging and always inspiring. Mm. Um, I also took the time to walk to like a local independent cafe and we get like a nice freshly made coffee and and then through doing all of this I I accidentally stumbled across an opportunity to help a family friend with some interior design work so it's something that I've never ever done before but I absolutely loved so I managed to build creative projects into my day as well by working on that and also had a few um, marketing projects that I was doing for my my dad as well, which I was able to do from home. But but a key thing that I did is I I started a daily chart from Monday to Sunday, and I, I'm actually looking at it now. And I split mm -hmm. it into three sections, which was time for myself, which could be anything from yoga, having a bath, uh, sending someone a voice note, listening to a podcast. The second section is exercise. So whether that's something simple like a walk or a run, 
um, the third section is something creative. So whether that was the creative projects I was working on, or if I baked, or if I did some painting, and then I had a blank sec section <clears throat> underneath. So if there was anything else that I kind of did that I felt particularly proud of myself for, um, I, I would record that on there as well. And I lived by this chart every single day. And it just showed myself that I, I am progressing. I am not in that cycle anymore of waking up in the morning, crying whilst doing my makeup, go into work, be in a battlefield, being around my tr triggers, mm. have to leave early, come home, be a misery for Jordan and not want to cook, not want to eat, cry and go to bed. Like that was not my cycle anymore. Mm. My cycle is all these positive things which I was looking at every single day. And I guess from all of that, I have now been in a headspace that I didn't think possible in the space of four weeks and i have naturally built um obviously i said that in the beginning that <clears throat> by doing this i wanted to do everything i could to not go on to antidepressants so i naturally built myself to a place where i felt true happiness in myself again and i just felt calm i was waking up happy i was going to bed happy me and Jordan were laughing again. Like it was such, it sounds wow. silly, but it was such a, a revelation from being in such a negative place. Like, oh my God, the sun is shining today. Oh my God, like me and my husband do have a good relationship. We're so in love. Oh my God, I can walk. I've just done a 10K. I'm cycling, whatever. Like I just Gosh. felt in such a good place. And, and, I also managed to increase the quality time with my sister as well, um, mm. obviously outside of work, which I didn't think was going to be possible for me to do. Mm. So we now go on walks, we go on shopping trips, or we just, I don't know, walk to a cafe and get a, a hot chocolate. But even though I say this, like, I obviously am not 100% cured. Like, I still have moments where I am completely overcome with grief but I understand that this grief is still going to be part of my journey mm -hmm. and I I allow those waves in and I sit with it and I know and I trust that it will pass mm -hmm. and it might take a few minutes it might take a few hours or even a day mm -hmm. but the most like the most important thing is I am not drowning anymore and as corny as it sounds I literally feel like I am back on the shore and mm. I have the strength to survive the next storm and it's not about eliminating the storm it's about being able to cope with it and um we kind of spoke about this yesterday because me and Poppy were actually meant to do this podcast yesterday but I texted her and said look I am having a really bad morning I want to be in a good headspace to be able to do this podcast and I actually think that's quite an important thing to talk about because I had one of these moments yesterday mm. and I just I woke up in the morning I had my tea in bed which was lovely but I I started getting this really negative like um voice in my head that started and I started to think of the bigger picture again. And it was just this gremlin in my head, which was saying, um, I don't know, well, you're gonna have to go back to work eventually. This mm. isn't a long-term solution. Um, 
uh, are you are you gonna start trying again? If you start trying again, are you gonna miscarry again? You're not really coping, are you? And and th mm -hmm. this these thoughts were so loud in my head. And usually by this time I would have gone for a run. And I was like, right, I need to go for a run. I need to get my endorphins going. I know this will make me feel better. And I pulled on um, my joggers. I went downstairs, but I had about 50 stone on my back. And I just sat in the kitchen and I was doing that thing again of staring into space. And, and I, I couldn't concentrate. All these negative thoughts were going through my head. And Jordan was saying, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I had that quiet voice again. Yeah, I'm fine. Just, just, just give me a minute. And I just burst into tears and I was like, I'm not coping. I'm not coping. Like it's happening again. These thoughts are coming back. And, mm. and I had a choice in that moment. I had a choice to either succumb to it. I could get back into bed. I could succumb to it and I could write off that day or I could not beat myself up that I didn't have the energy to go for a run and I could try something different. Mm. So I made a choice in that moment. Okay, how about I try little things to be kind to myself and it, it might make me feel better. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to beat myself up, but it might. Mm. And my, my hair was greasy. So I was like, right, I'm going to have a bath. And I'm going to wash my hair. So, so Jordan went off. He went off for a walk. I got in the bath. I relaxed. I washed my hair. And I just felt a little bit calmer. Mm -hmm. And I got out. I dried my hair. I put my makeup on. And I, I felt better. I felt clean. And it sounds silly. I put some nice underwear on. I put a nice outfit on. And I just physically wanted to make myself feel better. Mm -hmm. And then Jordan came back and said... Um, why don't we go for lunch? So, so we went out for lunch. Um, and again, my mood was lifting. After lunch, we went and checked on my nan um, and took her dog for a walk. We had a coffee down the beach. And by the time I got to the stage of having the coffee down the beach, I was in such a happy mindset again. Wow. And we walked home, I cooked dinner, and I watched a nice film. And I actually had three quarters of the day, which was lovely. But it, it's a choice you have to make. And even though it, it feels so hard to take that next step, you just have to, to be kind to yourself and take that next step and trust that, that you will feel better. Mm. Um, sorry, I feel like I have just ranted. No, no, no. <laughs> this is really good. I feel like <laughs> Mills... <laughs> This is like my therapy. I have just ranted. Do you, but do you know? Do you know what I really what? Because you've been using the word waves a lot, and genuinely, your voice notes. So I've been tuning into your voice notes on a weekly basis, and I have said to Tom after each voice note, I've given him an update, and I've genuinely been saying she's okay, she's doing well, and then it will be a week later, and I'd be like, no, 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 she's not okay, and then another week it would be like, she's no, she's okay, she's I can hear in her voice, she's okay. <laughs> And I feel like this waves thing is, is exactly that, isn't it? It's, and is it now familiar? So when, when you're starting to feel these negative feelings, is it, is it like, okay, I know you? Is it a familiar feeling? Yeah, but yeah. It, is, it is one of those things now that, that from the beginning of speaking to my cancer, I know there is not a solution to miscarriage. Mm. You just kind of 
learn to live with it and you accept that this this is now going to be part of me this is part of my journey i lost my first baby and i know like my life is going to be fine me and george are going to be fine we will try again but but yeah this, this is going to be part part of me now and yes those those waves come and go but but the point is through the steps that i have taken the majority of the time is now positive and when that wave comes in i do recognize it and i now know that if I'm kind to my, myself and I take those steps, mm. it is very, very likely to pass. But four weeks ago, I was so all consumed in my grief. I, I just, I didn't think I was going to survive. I didn't think I was going to survive this. So, so yeah, I, I definitely recognize it and it's manageable now, but I, I'm not trying to eliminate it. I'm not trying to eliminate these feelings I have. I just mm. trust that I can live with this now and I'm going to be okay. Wow. Um, so on the topic of trying again, I know we've spoken about this before. Um, what sort of, what, what, what headspace are you in with trying again? Yeah, so, so Jordan and I are definitely building up to a positive headspace to want to try again for our second baby. I mean, for me, it was so important that we grieved properly for our first child. Mm. And we didn't try to replace this baby by quickly falling pregnant again. Um, so the miscarriage that we experienced in October, that was our first child. And it's very important to me that we keep the two pregnancies very, very separate. Mm. But Yes, through the positive steps that I've taken, well, we've both taken really the, the past few weeks, my mind is now so strong and I definitely have the physical strength to take that next step. And I think the driver for me is I know I am born to be a mum and Jordan is born to be a dad and we are going to be parents. And don't get me wrong, the the thought of going through another miscarriage is is actually terrifying, but I'm not going to let that stop me from a journey that I know I am destined to be on. And I, I've said to you before, when when our time does come, we will be so appreciative and we won't ever take it for granted because we are one of the quarter of parents. And that is so important to remember. There is a huge number of us who have had to bat, uh, battle loss to gain our families. And yeah, if you told me four weeks ago, I would be in the headspace I am now talking to you, I cannot put into words how much I would not have believed you that, that I could be saying that, yes, we're ready to, to try for our second baby. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess time is the biggest healer, but you just have to keep moving and you have to be kind to yourself mm. with every small step that you take and just bite-sized chunks. Don't, don't think of the full day. How am I going to get through today? Mm. How am I going to get through this morning, this afternoon, this evening? And just find what being kind means to you. But I guess for us, like all the time, I am physically able to try again. I will continue to push through because 
when I am sat with our baby in my arms, looking Aww. back on this period of time, <laughs> it will so be worth it. And that is all this will be a memory mm -hmm. and a period in time that our strength and our courage overcame. And all the time that is an option, it's 100% worth fighting for. I love that, Mills. That's amazing. Um, and then, you know, we've spoken about this before, the whole question around, you know, do you tell people before the 12 week scan? And I know you did. You told me straight away. I also did with you. Um, but how do you feel about that second time around? Because that is actually one of my listeners uh, messaged me about that, saying that they're really nervous about telling people before the 12 week scan. What, what is your feeling on that one? Yeah, I mean... To be honest, I we only first time around told a very small select group of people, which was basically um, my parents, Jordan's parents, our siblings, and it was a very small handful of friends. Mm. And the reason we did that is um, back home, we have a very social social friendship group people that are out all the time definitely enjoy a nice drink a nice cocktail and if I suddenly didn't come out or I suddenly wasn't drinking it would stick out like a sore thumb so the people that I that was terrible yeah. isn't it? <laughs> that I told were the people that could help us keep it a secret because there were whispers starting and and yeah, by telling those small group of people, we they helped us to nip it in the bud and keep it a secret from the wider group who naturally we wouldn't want to tell just in case anything did happen. But but this time round, to be honest, um, I think I would wait a couple of weeks just to check that I didn't miscarry straight away. Mm. And then I would definitely tell all the people who were so incredibly supportive to us the past 10 weeks I mean we have a very close family and friendship group at home and I would not have survived without their continued support so I would really love to share the excitement with them mm. and if it did happen again they're exactly the people that I would turn to again so uh, this is going to sound really corny but have you heard that quote um what is it yesterday's history tomorrow is a mystery and today is a gift and that's why they call it the present and I just think, oh my god that is so cool <laughs> that's really good actually I like that it stays in your mind but but that's that's kind of yeah I don't know it's just like well we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so I I I really enjoyed the first trimester up until we miscarried first time around and I 100% would want to do it again because I know he or she felt so much love and so much warmth and I would hate to lose that time second time around and spend the second and third trimester basically trying to make up for it so yeah I think I would I would really live in the present because as as much as I would fear that we could miscarry again I I wouldn't want to let that overcome the present that I don't enjoy this time because it might not happen again. Mm -hmm. And the people that we tell, we might be able to celebrate that experience till the very end. And, and yeah, sometimes I think you do just have to live in the, the present and 
there's so many things you could worry about. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, but you've just got to enjoy what you have now. And I think that is how I would choose to do it next time round. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to share before we say goodbye? Um, so I think just for for anyone listening who can relate to what I have said or who is going through this, I think just know that you are not selfish for being kind to yourself and find whatever being kind to yourself means to you and just allow yourself to succumb to it. I mean, you're like you did in your mental health podcast before, like your mental health matters and you are allowed to put yourself first to get better and I just think just know there is a light at the end of the tunnel but you just have to keep moving you have to put one foot in front of the other at your own pace and just trust that you will find it in your own way um but yeah that is it thank you Millie and if (laughs) no thank you Poppy if anyone does want to send Millie a message, Millie, I know you're not on any social media anymore. You've gone dark. I know, I know. I've gone um, out of the social sphere. So if you'd like to send her a message, just send me a direct message on Instagram and then I will forward it to her for anyone that wants 100%. to. hundred percent. I would love, love, if anyone wanted to send a message, I would love to kind of, yeah, hear from people if they want to share their experiences. Um, I'm totally yeah here for anyone um if they think it could help them brilliant millie thank you so much i can't believe that you've even done this really because it's so new and everything's so raw so thank you so much for coming and sharing your story thank you no thank you thank you poppy hi guys it's me again whoa so i've just listened to that back and i played it on loudspeaker whilst Tom was in the kitchen, he actually just stopped what he was doing um, because he was so gripped by what Millie was saying. And just wow, I mean, her ability to articulate her feelings and emotions is quite astonishing, really. And just that self-awareness, I mean, it's all so raw, um, but yet she's just able to uh, articulate it and kind of just express it in a way that is just so wise. Um, So I hope... Some of her words resonate with those of you who have experienced this kind of loss. But like always, guys, connect with me on Instagram. Pop that mama would absolutely love to hear from you. And I'm sure Millie would too. Uh, Follow me on Spotify for more podcast updates. And yes, all the best. Happy New Year. Bye bye.